You sent your dearly beloved son down to us into this fallen, broken world in human form so that he could reveal yourself and grant access to you. Thank you, Father, for your wonderful plan. And as we listen now to the word and as you use the wisdom of your servant, Duncan, soften our hearts to receive this and reveal to us things hidden that you want us to know and understand. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll now have the uh, Bible reading brought to us. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all of these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom all of his treasures, new as well as old. G'day everyone. Uh, Great to see you this morning. Uh, Isn't it good to gather and good to have an extra hour's sleep? So... I think we're all pretty happy about that. Um, I just wanted to add my, um, uh, my uh, encouragement to you, for, uh, to Steve's, about the upcoming Easter services and everything that's going on around Easter. Uh, next week, John Warner will be speak, uh, preaching, and it'll be an evangelistic um, sermon. He's going to speak from John chapter 1. Um, uh, and so that's a, just going to be a great opportunity. If you've been thinking about inviting someone along to church, next weekend will be a great time to do it. Uh, not only for the service itself, but as Steve mentioned, our old-fashioned Sunday school picnic after church where we're going to be uh, having lots of fun together and just sharing a good time together. So next weekend, do consider this week who you might be able to invite along. And then, of course, our Easter services, which Steve has mentioned. Uh, another one I will mention, that we are having a combined church's Easter sunrise service as well, a short service at Kent Reserve, 6.30am on Easter morning on Easter Sunday morning. I'll be um, preaching at that service, just a short message. Uh, And so if you would like to get up early on Easter uh, Sunday and come and join us, that would be great. Uh, I wanted to, before I get to to the text as well, I wanted to share a stat that might be encouraging for you in the next few weeks, as perhaps you do think about someone who you might like to invite to church. A recent survey was done that said, uh, that showed that two thirds of Australians are likely to attend a church service if they are personally invited by a friend or a family member. Two-thirds. So that's pretty encouraging, isn't it? There are many people who, if a friend or a family member invites them along to church, are likely to say, okay, I'll do it. I'll come along. Uh, So I just wanted to put that out there um, and encourage you maybe this week to consider that uh, for this coming Sunday. Okay. 
Uh, We are wrapping up this section of Matthew's Gospel today. We've been in Matthew's Gospel on and off for the last little while, uh, but this term in these few chapters in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Matthew's been telling us this incredible story about Jesus, right? Uh, The king of God's kingdom, the fulfillment of all God's plans and purposes, uh, the one the entire Old Testament points to. Um, he's, He's come to set up the kingdom of heaven to bring about this reign of God to save his people from sin and establish them under his good rule. But we've seen through these chapters especially uh, that we've been looking at this term that this, this kingdom is not what you might expect. It's not what you might expect. There's a kind of hiddenness to it, a hiddenness to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, many people don't have eyes to see it, don't have ears to understand it. Uh, even, do you remember a few weeks back, even John the Baptist was confused about it. And of course, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were on the whole outright opposed to it. So the message of this kingdom, uh, the last few weeks we've seen this, it's like seed that gets scattered around and everyone responds to it differently. The kingdom grows in secrets, like that, the picture of the field with the wheat and the weeds growing up together or like that mustard seed that starts so small and unimpressive but grows to be the largest tree, like that yeast that works its way through the whole dough. So there's this unimpressiveness, this sort of secretness, hiddenness about the kingdom of heaven. And it might be tempting to hear about this hiddenness of Jesus' kingdom and think, is it really worth it? (laughs) Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? I'd much rather a king who is just a little bit more impressive, right? A kingdom that's just a bit more obvious. And not this kind of slow and hidden growth, not this king who is just opposed and misunderstood by so many. Well, maybe that comes to your mind as you meditate, reflect on this hiddenness of the kingdom of heaven. Well, these last few parables, Jesus says to his, he, t- he says them directly to his disciples. So the other ones we've looked at, he's spoken to the crowd. And then we heard last week, Jesus takes just his disciples um, away and he explains to them the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And then he gives them these parables. So they're just for his disciples. And he focuses in on those who are his disciples, those who do have ears to hear and eyes to see. And through these parables, Jesus wants his disciples, he wants you to know that, okay, though his, his kingdom might be hidden, it really is, it really is the greatest tr- treasure anyone could ever have. Though his kingdom might be hidden, and maybe you know that, feel that, <laughs> It really is the greatest treasure that you can ever have in your life. Uh, anyone here watch Bargain Hunt? Anyone seen that show, Bargain Hunt? Yeah, we've got a few. I, I used to watch it a bit. I haven't seen it for years, but uh, I saw this story about apparently there's um, uh, the, the record for Bargain Hunt. There's this tiny teapot that someone was chucking, or was about to be chucked out. It was, they did a uh, lockdown clear out last year, I think. Uh, and he sort of brought it along to these guys at Bargain Hunt, thinking you know it might be worth twenty pounds or something. Is in England. Um, and, and anyone want to have a guess what it sold for? 
No, no. 3,000? Not even close. 390,000 pounds for this teapot. Apparently it's one of only three in the world, an ancient Chinese teapot, um, uh, and extremely rare, and it was just hit in some box in the attic of this guy's house, and he was about to... And can you imagine the feeling of that guy, right? Uh, uh, the feeling of taking in what he thought was worth 20 pounds and ending up with a fortune. I mean, what a, what a find, right? Uh, we love a bargain. We love that kind of surprising find. And you, maybe you can imagine his feeling. Well, that's the kind of feeling that we're, you're supposed to get when you read these first couple of parables that Jesus tells. That's the kind of feeling on view here. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. So here's this guy. He's he's out for a walk. Maybe he's a farmhand plowing a field, uh, and his foot catches on something sharp sticking out of the ground. Right? He investigates. He starts digging, and he uncovers this massive buried treasure. Um, in kind of those days, they, they, they didn't have banks like we have banks, and and there was this constant threat of sort of violent raids from other people groups. It, it wasn't uncommon to bury your treasures, and sometimes they would be lost or forgotten about over the years. And, uh, it, maybe that's the case here. Uh, no one else seems to know about this treasure. This treasure was so much more valuable than anything else he had. Did you, did you notice what he did? He goes and joyfully just lets go of everything else he has in order to obtain this treasure, for the sake of this treasure. In his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field. And Jesus is saying, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It causes a kind of joyful sacrifice in those who find it. Uh, This guy seems to just stumble across this treasure, right? He's not looking for it. It just sort of appears to him. (laughs) He stumbles across it. And that's how many people find the kingdom of heaven, almost by accident, you know, through a chance conversation or maybe a postcard inviting them to an Easter service. Uh, They weren't looking for it, but suddenly this incredible treasure is revealed to them and their life is never the same again. The next parable, though, it tells a slightly different story. Uh, It's making the same basic point. The kingdom of heaven brings about this joyful sacrifice. But it it shows this man in verse 45. Uh, He's he's actually someone who's not not sort of stumbling across this without having searched for it. He's He's been searching for this his whole life. He's a merchant and he's out looking for fine pearls. And one day in verse 46... He finds one that outshines them all, that he must have. So again, he sells everything to get this pearl. It's important to see something here as we read through these parables. Jesus isn't saying that people need to buy their way into his kingdom. That's not what's going on here. He's not saying people need to kind of um, buy their way in order to get into his kingdom. We enter his kingdom simply by receiving the seed of his word. 
by coming to him, not to kind of make a bargain, to say, all right, let me in if I give you this. That's not how it works. By coming to him empty-handed, weary and burdened, and receiving his rest. That's, that's how we enter his kingdom. Jesus uses these parables. He uses everyday stories to make a point, like to make one simple point. We're not supposed to kind of press home all the details. Jesus' point here is that this kingdom, when it's found, is of such surpassing value to those who find it that everything else fades away. Nothing else is as important or as valuable. If being part of Jesus' kingdom means letting go of other treasures, other things that we used to hold close, then people who see the true value of his kingdom do that willingly, even joyfully. And notice here too that Jesus is he's simply describing the reality of his kingdom. I think this, this is something that really sort of stood out to me this week and I hadn't seen before, but I think it's important to recognise. What Jesus is doing here is he's, he's describing the reality of his kingdom. It's possible to read these parables, I think, uh, and come away thinking, okay, right, <sighs> Jesus wants me to give away everything for his kingdom. And what's more, I need to be happy about it. <laughs> Great. You know, it's possible maybe to read these parables like that. But do you notice how it's phrased as we read through it? The kingdom of heaven is like this. Jesus isn't saying, okay, everyone, try really hard to be like this. Kind of just laying another heavy burden on people. He's saying this is what will happen when people see the truth and the beauty and the goodness of his kingdom. It, it will happen. It will. It'll happen organically, naturally. It won't be something that you need to work up yourself for. Any more than the man in the field needed to kind of work himself up to sell everything he had. He did it joyfully because his heart was fixed on this treasure. So, so what Jesus is doing here, he's shaping our expectations. This is what we will see in our own lives, in the lives of others, when we find Christ's kingdom and we see it for what it really is. You should expect to see this kind of thing in your life when you see the kingdom of heaven for what it really is. It's worth going all in for. It's worth giving everything for. It's worth orienting your whole life around. It creates people who hold lightly to, the, to things that other people yearn for. It creates joyful sacrifice. Because when you already have the greatest treasure, you can let go of the lesser treasures far more easily. When you are full, when you're full, you don't need to kind of hungrily grasp at everything else that the kingdoms of this world offer you. You have a far better, more lasting, more joyful satisfaction in Christ and in his kingdom. So Jesus' hidden kingdom, it creates this joyful sacrifice because of how precious and wonderful it is. 
But as you, as you read on, did you notice maybe this stood out to you as we read through it? The stakes here are really high. That's what Jesus goes on to say. The stakes are actually eternally high. So his kingdom is a wonderful treasure, but it's not as if the alternative is to just kind of say, just to get on okay without it. It's, it's kind of nice if you can have it, but no big deal if you don't, you know? Like, uh, I don't have a hidden teapot in my garage. Um, it's nice that they have it. No big deal that I don't. That's not actually the, the, the dynamic that's going on here that Jesus wants us to come away with. He paints this really stark contrast. And, and we've seen this all the way through Matthew's gospel up to this point, right? There are two roads, two gates, the narrow one that leads to life and the broad one that leads to destruction. There, there's two foundations, remember that? The rock that keeps you safe in the storm and the sand that causes your house to fall with a great crash. And we saw it last week too, right? These two types of plant growing up in the field, either the wheat or the weeds. And Jesus builds on all of that here and he says, either you have this wonderful joy-giving treasure of his kingdom or you face a terrible reality a terrible reality of anguish and regret. And for Jesus, there's no other option. Like Mark said last week, there's no third category here. Friends, this, is, this isn't a scare tactic. It's not a scare tactic. It's a gracious reality check that Jesus wants us to hear. Because Jesus' kingdom, it's not just one kingdom among lots of viable options. It is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom that will one day be all in all. It's not all in all yet. It's still hidden. The wheat and the weeds are still growing up together. But the harvest is coming. And it can't be any other way. Uh, If God is going to bring about true justice on this earth, And we all want that, right? We all want that. If God is going to bring about true justice, if he is going to fully and finally bring every injustice and all evil to account, if he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells, then there must be a day of righteous and good judgment. And tragically, those who are outside his kingdom those who are against him, who have not been united to him by faith, will be swept up in that judgment. Verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. So you get the picture there. This big net let down into the lake. It's sort of trawled through. Uh, It's not selective fishing it's just a net that catches everything in its, in its path. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up onto the shore and sort of emptied the net over onto the, on, the, on the sand. They, they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but they threw the bad away. A familiar kind of scenario for the people Jesus was talking to. Uh, kind of everyday scene. Of course, that's what you do. You, and so he, but Jesus uses this 
to talk about the end of the age. Verse 49, they, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will, will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is a terrible reality. But friends, this, what Jesus is describing here, it's like, a, it's the dark background against which the pearl of the gospel shines out even more brightly. What is it that makes the kingdom of heaven so precious to those who find it? So valuable. They see this. They see it. They see that apart from Jesus, they are without hope. They are under the just condemnation of a holy God, facing eternity cut off from him. And they hear the free and the gracious welcome of Christ saying, Come to me. Come to me and find forgiveness and life and meaning and rest. They hear that with joy with a thrill of hope and they happily give up the treasures of this world for the sake of gaining Christ. So friends, this hidden kingdom of Jesus, it will one day be all in all. It's a treasure in a field, it's this pearl of great price and the dark background of our sin and the reality of the coming judgment makes this pearl shine out even brighter Well, there's one more parable that Jesus goes on to um, speak to his disciples. He returns to this theme of treasure, right? Verse 51, have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. It's a little tricky to know what's going on here, but the teachers of the law in Israel, the teachers of the law had a treasure, an incredible treasure. Uh, it was an old treasure, an ancient treasure, the treasure of God's word, the, the law, the prophets, the writings of the Jewish scriptures. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that when someone becomes a disciple in his kingdom, they still have all those old treasures. His kingdom, is, it doesn't sort of break with the story of Israel. It's actually the fulfillment of that story. All that the Old Testament pointed towards is now here. And so the disciple of his kingdom can bring out old and new treasures, the new treasure of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the fulfilment of God's one great plan for his creation worked out through Abraham's family and now brought to its climax and its fulfilment in Christ. Um, Jesus' disciples live in this time of newness, of his new covenant, his new commandment, his new and eternal hope and peace. And do you notice what they do with their treasures? They, they don't leave them in the storeroom. <laughs> They bring their treasure out to display, to display to the world. They don't leave this incredible treasure 
kind of dusty in the storeroom. They want the world to share in their joy, that they have the greatest treasure of all, and that treasure is available to all people. So, friends, this, this, Jesus is saying this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, is like. But you might be thinking, that's not what I'm like. <laughs> I, probably all of us at some level are, or should be. <laughs> uh, that may be because you're not yet a Christian. You're not yet a disciple of this kingdom. If that is you, friends, you can come to him today. Will you hear Jesus' loving warning that there is no life apart from him? That apart from him, actually, there is only the just judgment of God for your sin. Will you turn from that and come to him? You will find a treasure that you can find nowhere else. But maybe you are already a disciple. Um, perhaps, uh, maybe, you, yeah, you have come to know Christ. But perhaps once you knew Jesus as your greatest treasure, maybe that's sort of, yes, something you can recognise and relate to, but it's just gone a bit cold in your life, this kingdom of heaven. You, you sort of don't quite relate to the joy of this man as he sells everything to get after this treasure. Maybe you keep him in the storeroom of your heart. You find other treasures more enticing than him and his kingdom. Maybe you resent the sacrifices that you make for his sake, not make them joyfully and willingly. Well, the answer for all of us is to come back to the gospel. Just recognising that that's going on in your heart is the first step repent of it and come back to Jesus and I just want to finish by taking you to one part of the New Testament that I think really richly shows us this this kingdom causes joyful sacrifice in us because it was a kingdom that was founded through the joyful sacrifice of its king it was founded through the joyful sacrifice of our king and we see this, I think, wonderfully in Hebrews 12. So I'm just going to read these verses. They should be on the screen too. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, to have this kingdom... To have this king who has gone before us and who for the joy set before him endured the cross. To have that means that you can throw off all those things that hinder you. 
that sin that does so easily entangle. Because what you are saved from is real and terrible. But in his kingdom, which is hidden for a time, but is certain and sure, in his kingdom you have been given the richest treasure, the pearl that surpasses all others, the king who has given his all for you at the cross and who welcomes you with open arms to come to him weary and heavy laden and receive his eternal rest. So don't don't grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on him. Let the riches of his kingdom fill you and then flow out from you to this world that is so desperately in need of lasting treasure, the kind of treasure only Jesus brings. Let's pray as we finish up. Let's pray. Thank you, our God, for um, this term in these chapters of Matthew's Gospel. Thank you for these parables that uh, Jesus teaches us and that so richly teach us about your kingdom. Ah, God, we do confess that there are so many other things that so often take Jesus' place in our heart, things that we treasure above him. We confess that before you now. Father, we ask that you will fill our hearts again, or maybe even for the first time, with deep, transforming, lasting joy, knowing that in Jesus we have the greatest treasure, the pearl of great price, uh, that in him we have treasured old and new. And help us, Lord, to not just leave that in the storeroom, but to bring it out. And we pray that many people will come to see and find this treasure uh, through us. And even this Easter, we, we do pray that. And we pray that for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.